Welcome to this opening episode of Jimmy Dean Keen Fiction. We begin on a New Orleans City public bus. It's night outside. The bus is not too full. There's a woman in her 30s riding near the front of the bus. And as we begin, she's being harangued by another passenger. It's an older person. I do picture a man, but it really doesn't matter. The person's race doesn't matter either. They're older, but they're not elderly. And they're not visibly disabled. But they're having an absolute fit at this woman, whose name is Caroline Aber Guidry. This person is just going off about how you young folks today, you so disrespectful for taking up seats on the buses meant for the old folks and the disabled, and you can't even bother to get yourself up and get out of the way so that I can sit down. Meanwhile, there are many other empty seats available, but this person just doesn't want them because they want to go off on Caroline. She's sitting there with paper grocery bags on her lap and ignoring this person. But they just keep going and they keep going and then they reach over and smack her on the shoulder. Hey, I'm talking to you. And she looks at them. Pardon me, sir. Or ma'am, as it were. I apologize for bothering you, but you seem to be quite upset that I'm in the disabled seating. Yeah, you're Well, I want to tell you that I am, in fact, a bit disabled. I got my hips frozen. She looks at him. Excuse me? And then he raises his hand as if to just smack her with the flat of it across the face. But another passenger, my picture as an older Asian man, stands up and puts himself in between the aggressor and Caroline, wordlessly. And it sort of diffuses the situation because the aggressor continues to harangue but doesn't actually physically strike her. So that's a win and Caroline knows that, so... She looks up at the person who intervened on her behalf and nods in appreciation. He looks at her. It's acknowledged, but he doesn't nod back. Probably a cultural difference. He remains seated next to her, and the other person continues yelling. But the bus is seen from outside, so you can no longer hear them going off. Caroline minds her own business. The person might or might not get off at a different stop. But then it's Caroline's stop, so she requests the stop, gets up, and she does so a bit carefully, walks again carefully to the side door. And she does limp. She favors her left leg, but she recovers. So the bus stops, the door opens, and she steps off to exit, but she wasn't lying about her hip. It buckles under her, and she falls down hard on her knees. And the palms of her hands break her fall. She drops her groceries. Nothing shatters, but there's rattling, there's noise. Her purse falls down around her. She has a vision, then, of her younger self. 
as a teen girl, just being attacked on another bus and kind of pushed into the side door, but it's closed. And she's curled against the door, trying to protect her face with her hands while this other person is just slapping and smacking at her, kicking at her. And she pushes hard enough at the door that it does open. It's like partially forced open. Maybe the driver pulls the lever a little bit. And then someone else from outside reaches to grab Caroline and they pull her the rest of the way through the door, which closes immediately behind her so that the person who was beating her couldn't chase her. And then the bus just pulls away. She stumbles and falls forward into the arms of the person that was pulling her out. And when she looks up, it's a very handsome, dark-skinned, young black girl around the same age. She's got long dreadlocks. She's wearing baggy cargo pants and a hoodie. It's kind of androgynous looking, but it is another girl. Caroline's kind of nervous and in shock and a little bit frightened because she's just frightened by everyone a little bit, but the other girl gently reassuringly holding her. Girl, you all right? The rescue girl puts her arm around Caroline's shoulders. Come on, let's get out of here. Caroline is too shocked to speak, but she suddenly appreciates this quite a lot, thinks it's a good idea. She's awed at the idea of someone else helping her rather than hurting her, mocking her, or watching. So she accepts, and they walk off together. In the present day, she's on the curb. This bus is also pulled off. She's got her stuff around her. But she gets it together. She pushes herself up, collects her things. She's wincing, and she limps off, favoring her left leg harder than before. There's much dignity as she can muster carrying her grocery bags. At her home, she's in the bathtub. She can be seen from about the armpits up. She's naked. Her knees are drawn up. One of them is bloodied. She's using a handheld shower attachment to wash the blood off her hands and her knees. Then she's in a tank top and underpants. She's got her hair wrapped in a towel. She's got her left foot propped on the edge of the tub while she applies butterfly bandages to the cut on her knee. That's pretty deep. She's being very careful. She's applying antiseptic lotion and dressing it. And her facial expression is like, ugh, this hurts. It's gross, but it's necessary. And she's done this before. This is not her first rodeo, and she knows what she's doing. It's later on, maybe the same night. She's bringing a young man around her same age. She's about in her early 30s. So's he. Got a very youthful face. He's skinny, white boy. She's bringing him into her cottage, which is a New Orleans shotgun-style cottage with, like, a living room, bedroom, bathroom, and kitchen. It's not very big. The bedroom is the room closest to the street. Her guest is stepping into the bedroom, and he's only got eyes for a synthesizer keyboard that's sitting in front of her windows near the door. 
And he's extremely impressed. Oi. Well, this is it then. Yeah, that's it. Um, Korg Poly 6. Oh, wow. He's gently stroking the wooden housing on the keyboard. Eyes locked into it. Admiring it. Oi. It's mint condition, huh? Yeah, um, near about. Uh, I think it was used before, but not much. Do you wanna... I don't... Do what? Do you wanna play it? My tie. Yeah, Patty. Go ahead. Oh, all right, yes. Oh. So he moves to sit down. And he's wearing a jacket. Just a windbreaker jacket, but he flips it out behind him a bit like it's tuxedo coat and he's a concert pianist sitting down at his keyboard it's not a pretentious action it's just something he does naturally he's got long thin elegant hands and he places them on the keyboard they make a sound he's very appreciative of this caroline sits down on the edge of her bed she's watching this appreciatively He's completely lost in this keyboard and in the little melodies that he starts playing. He's trying out the bells and whistles and such. And it's evident from what he's creating, even just in the course of mucking about, that he's a very talented musician. At some point, she goes to her kitchen to mix drinks for them. She's got some gin, elderflower liqueur sprite or something and as she's doing this and she glances up out of the window and sees a cross into the neighbor house's window straight into somebody else's living room they don't have any curtains or blinds or anything and she sees that her neighbor another early 30s dude is over there just having doggy style sex with some woman in, in the living room Again, blinds wide open, not a care in the damn world, just railing. And Caroline's face suggests this is not at all an unusual occurrence. She just rolls her eyes, turns away from the shit show, takes her and Patty's drinks and back into the other room. And then it's later still. She's got a record on the turntable. She's dancing with Patrick. They're holding one another with great fondness. It's clear that he knows how to dance and that she does too, but has maybe not been educated on how to dance. And furthermore, she's favoring her knee a little bit, but they're not doing anything too crazy. I mean, it's a slow dance. She rests her head against his chest and he puts his chin on top of her head. And she slowly tilts her head back and lifts her face up to kiss him. And he participates, but he doesn't really necessarily reciprocate. And he winds up breaking it off. Oh, Caroline. Oh, I, I will like you, but I don't know if I can do this. What's this, Patty? Is this... I, I've, I've been drinking, and... Um, but I'm nervous. Oh, Patty. 
She gently strokes him over the heart with her fingertips. She's looking at him more sweetly. It's okay. It's all right, Patty. I understand. All right. Thank you. I know you mean it. It's okay. You all right? Yes. I'm all right. Thank you. But he puts his hand over her hand. I'm I'm a bit drunk. (laughs) It's alright. You you okay? Yes, well, I'm I'm well fine. I'm I'm just a bit drunk. So they end up climbing into the bed together. And they probably have drank more since then. He's a little bit wobbly, loose-limbed. (laughs) <laughs> he's just giggling she smiles at him covers him with a blanket and he looks at her fondly she gets in beside him they're both still fully clothed she's changed out of her denim jeans and jogger pants or something and they snuggle up to one another but she doesn't make any type of romantic overture towards him or touch him in an uncomfortable manner nor does he her and they just snuggle up together they're listening to the record though the next morning patrick awakens abruptly and he's looking very nervous in the bed caroline wakes up beside him and sees him just having this moment. Pat, are you alright? I, th- I think so. Um, what happened? We, we, you came over, we had a couple drinks, um, listened to some music. You played on the Poly 6. Oh, right, yes. Alright. Oh, we, we did that, yeah. Uh, um, he looks mortified. Did, did we, um, oh, Patty, no, no, no. She gently puts a hand on him. No, baby, it's okay. Nothing like that, it's all right. Oh, goodness. Yes, good, thank you. I mean, he realizes that he might have just offended her, but he doesn't really know how and clearly doesn't know how to be any different or make it better if he has so he just looks very panicked nervous i don't i don't mean to say that you're that you you're not beautiful i i simply i well i can't remember anything i can't i don't recall and i think it would be a well pity if we had sex and I didn't know. Oh my god, Pat, yes. That would be a pity. We certainly did not. And and that's alright. That was a fine decision that we both made together. And it was mutual. And you're fine. <sighs> He's visibly relieved. Alright then. Um, thank you. He does lean his head over and rests it against her shoulder. She puts an arm around him and pats his hair. 
It looks a little sad, but not put out in any way or offended or hurt in that type of way. The vibe is just that she probably would have liked him to be aware and for them to have had sex, but it clearly didn't happen. And he's clearly very awkward about it, so it's causing her feelings, but she's fine in dealing with that. So they do start coming around a bit, getting up, and there's a loud metallic crash from outside between Caroline's house and the neighbor house. She gets up and she's looking out the window, and when she glances out, her neighbor man visibly hung over wearing like jogger tracksuit and sunglasses it's another indication that he's feeling a bit of a way he's trying to take his garbage cans out to the curb and he's just fallen over them and he shit, muttering to himself just looks deeply annoyed with his existence in the entire world Though, in the next scene, Caroline and Patty are at an art gallery together, but they're still somewhat apart. They're both there, but they're not, like, on one another. Whenever they glance towards one another, or especially make eye contact, it's very clear that they are affectionate and that they are friends, but Patty's just a little socially awkward. And Caroline is a bit reserved. She's not really trying to engage in long conversations with other people. She's mostly just looking at the art. If Patty was asked to describe her face, he would say something like, Mona Lisa smile. She's got an incisive look when she's looking at the art, but there's some kind of loneliness and element of longing about her in the next scene it's mid-afternoon she's leaving her cottage she's favoring her injured knee as she steps off her porch winces a little bit as it takes her weight there's the Debussy melodies piano music blasting at great volume from the neighbor's backyard and then there's just general sounds like somebody's messing with a propane field barbecue grill. Neighbor man, again. There's the noise of a fire successfully igniting. like, And then he's like, oh shit. Then he loudly drops something, probably a, a utensil. Fucking, fucking I. She just didn't even with this. She's walking down the street towards Bayou St. John. They're in the mid-city neighborhood of New Orleans. And as she passes the neighbor house, which is considerably larger and grander than hers, she's got the most likely single bay shotgun-style cottage. It's pink with black trim and white eaves. And the neighbor house is two stories with the grand columns and it's in white wood siding. And parked on the curb is the neighbor man's Mercedes convertible. And it's parked in a kind of douchey manner. Well, a little bit crooked. It's like a two-seater diesel coupe and the top is down even though it's wintertime. 
It's not actively raining right then, but who leaves their top down in New Orleans? <laughs> in my notes, it says this car is parked indiscreetly. As she's passing it, she sees that he's got a pair of designer sunglasses tucked into the sun visor on the driver's side. She glances around herself, and she decides to walk past it in the street on that side of the car. As she's going by, she impulsively reaches out and grabs the sunglasses from the visor. And she puts them on her own face and keeps walking. When she's a short distance away, she smiles to herself, a little shy. She can't believe she just pulled off this ridiculous heist, but also just mischievous and a little impish pleased with herself she continues to go about her errand <laughs>